video, missions is about people. Missions is not about uh, programs. It's not about organizations. Missions is about people. And, and here's how I mean that. M- missions is about the people that, that we reach. But missions is also about the people that make sacrifices to make that outreach possible. And so uh, for us today, we're celebrating God's love shared through sacrificial people to the whole world. That's really what missions is about. It's about people. Now, this morning in Kids Church, I'll tell you how that celebration is going there. How many of you have kids in Kids Church this morning? You have kids in Kids Church? Great. They're going to come home and say over the next few weeks, hey, we need to bring some shoes and some clothes to Kids Church. And I want you to know it's legit, right? They didn't just make it up. They're not selling them for candy or nothing like that. It's for real. Uh, We are doing a clothing and shoe drive for the Indian Reservation in South Dakota that we're going to be going to do some work in June on a missions trip this summer. And so we're going to be collecting those things. So that's kind of what's going on in Kids Church this morning. And that's how Kids Church is making that celebration. There's a few spots left on that team. If you'd like to take that missions trip, you can go to our website and sign up. Also in November, we're going to Honduras. And we're going to talk to you a little bit more about that this morning. Uh, There's a few spots left on the Honduras team if you'd like to take a missions trip with us there. But today is about recommitting ourselves Uh, to sharing God's love with the whole world. Uh, Today is about, you know, how can that happen? And there's really only one way that can happen. That's that we have to send people. You and I can make a gigantic difference here in Shelby County. But you and I can't make much difference in the world unless we send someone. Now, all the technology and all the materials in the world will never replace a live, actual person who goes somewhere else in the world and lives among people of another culture and shares the gospel with that, with that nation and that uh, cultural group. And so we have 85 missionaries that we support at Kingwood Church, local and global. Some are here in uh, Shelby County. Uh, most of them are outside of America, uh, spread all over the world. So 85 missionaries that we support. Now, we believe that our, our role, everybody's got... Apart, we're one church, we're not every church. Uh, We can't do everything, but we can do something. So how do you define what it is we ought to do? Well, we believe that our part of missions in the world is to support 100 missionaries. When we get to 100 missionaries, we're going to stop and we're going to change focus. But we believe we can mobilize and help send 100 missionaries in the world. We do 85 now. We're 15 people away from that. And we have already identified the 15 people we want to support. They're on the stage. They're in your hand. If you'll take the brochure that we gave you and uh, look at the card on the front, just tear the card off. It's okay. It's just glue. It's not. It's made to do that. Just tear the card off and look at the front cover. Those are the 85 missionaries we support. You can see their logo or their face or their picture or something from them. Those are all 85 missionaries that we presently support. If you'll look inside, here's the 15 missionaries uh, that we want to begin to support. Uh, I I wish I had time to tell you all their stories. I don't. On the back is information about the Honduras Alliance that we'll talk about uh, in just a few minutes. So here's what I want to ask you to consider this morning. 
uh, uh, many of the missionaries we w- want to support are brand new missionaries. Uh, this young lady uh, is from Alabaster who's going to Ecuador. Uh, if you look inside your brochure, you can see her name. Beth Glenn is on her way to Ecuador from Alabaster. Um, uh, the couple here, Garo, these are the missionaries that serve at the uh, Indian Reservation in South Dakota that will be serving. How many of you are going on that team? How many of you have already signed up to be part of that team? You're going to meet these guys. They're fabulous. You're going to love them. They've been there 22 years. They serve on an Indian Reservation the size of Connecticut. They are uh, ordained ministers, and they are uh, members of the Sioux and Cheyenne tribe. So you'll get to meet them. Elizabeth Nichols uh, is going to Senegal. She's from Clanton, Alabama. You're talking about folks that are, folks that are right from here. Uh, Eva Faircloth is going to the Czech Republic, and she's from Mobile, Alabama. And so it's amazing when you see most of, not all of these, these guys are 22 years, but most of these other three are brand new missionaries. Never been on the mission field. So you can see what God is doing in the world. He's stirring up. He's continuing to stir up for the purpose of sharing his love with the whole world. Because one day this world ends. And all that's left is the work that's been done before this world ends. That's it. That's all that's going to be left. And the souls that have been connected to his love. So we want to do everything we can or we want to do our part Let me say it that way, in sending all the missionaries that we can, we believe, for us, that's 100. So if you'll just look at the card that's in your hand, uh, Spanish on one side, English on the other. This is called a faith promise card. If you've never heard that term before, let me just explain it in simple terms. It basically means this. You say, God, by faith, I want to be involved in sharing your love all over the world. So by faith, I want to commit this amount of money to give each month to send people like these. I can't go, but I can send them. I want to to commit this amount of money by faith. Now, what do I mean by faith? By faith, we said 100. Our church doesn't have the money to send 100. We only have the money to send 85. But by faith, we believe our role is 100. So we're saying, all right, God, if you'll bring it in, we'll send 100. That's the same thing that you say in your family. God, if you'll provide the resource in my family, I'll send one, or I'll send two, or I'll, I'll whatever. Uh, $50 a month from 15 families, and we can, we can take all of them on. Uh, maybe you've already been supporting missions. Maybe you supported last year, and, and you can uh, commit to more. It's a faith relationship with God to say, I want to be part of the Great Commission. What can I believe God for? What is God asking me to commit to? Our, our assignment as a church is to do 100. What is your assignment as a family? What has God called you to do? And so that's what we're asking you to figure out. In the next two or three minutes, I just want to ask you to put, give us your name, put the amount that you're, you're expecting. Now look, you may say, well, I, I gave last year to missions, so I'm not going to fill the card out again because everybody knows I'm going to give. We don't know that. We don't know what your intention is. We make commitments based on your intention. So when you tell us this is what I intend to do, we call these people and say, hey, guess what? We're about to start supporting you. So if you don't tell us and you just keep giving, it takes us longer to figure out. We can support them faster if you let us know what you intend to do. So if you'll take a couple of minutes and uh, put this card in your hand, 
I'm going to give you a few minutes to make a decision and to fill that out and to say, by faith, I want to be involved in the Great Commission. Would you just take that little card and put it between your hands right now? And I just want us to simply pray and ask God to guide us all. As He has guided us as a church to 100 missionaries, I want to ask Him to guide you as an individual, as a family, and what your role is. Lord, I thank you today for the love of God that we feel in this room. I thank you that you sent missionaries to us. It may have been our parents. It may have been a teacher. It may have been a coach. It may have been a friend. It may have been somebody that wasn't supported financially in any way. They were just called by you to talk to us. I'm grateful today you sent missionaries to share with me and with us, and now we know. So now, God, our prayer is, send us. And if we can't go everywhere, put us in relationship with people who can. So, God, I pray that you would move our hearts to, to stretch our faith and to be part of that what you love. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would fill that card out and just set it on your lap or set it beside you, in a few minutes, we're going to receive it. Now, I want to share with you uh, the next couple of minutes, next few minutes. Uh, I want us to end our series today that we started uh, four weeks ago called The Holy Spirit. Uh, we've been talking about how uh, we tend to define things in our mind based on how they fit in the structures that we understand. So we tend to categorize relationships that way. The person of God we have the hardest time relating to is the one that doesn't naturally fit in any of our structures or doesn't fit in any of our natural structures. Let me say it that way. We understand God as Father because we understand what Father is. We understand God as Son because we understand what a Son is. But when you say God, the Holy Spirit, we say, hold the phone. What does that possibly mean? What could that possibly mean? God in His wisdom and love gave us symbols in the Bible to help us understand who He as the Holy Spirit is. So God the Holy Spirit's not like Father. God the Holy Spirit is not like Son. So God the Holy Spirit, we've been saying in the series, the first week we said, God the Holy Spirit is like the wind. He, he uh, it seems very spontaneous to us, the way that he leads and he guides us like the wind blowing and we follow. God, the Holy Spirit, is like the water. He refreshes and he renews and he nourishes our soul. Pastor Mark last week said the Holy Spirit is like fire. He purifies and he enlightens us. So today as we finish the series, I just want to say it this way. And if you have something you want to take some notes with, go ahead and grab that now. God the Holy Spirit is like oil. So what was oil used for in the Bible? Oil was used for cooking. Oil was used for um, dressing wounds. Oil was used for uh, lighting lamps. Oil was used uh, for anointing priests and kings and those who were in authority. And so how is the Holy Spirit like oil? Well, in Zechariah chapter 4, you can turn there. We're going to look at verse 11 in a few minutes. But I just want to tell you the backstory. So you can understand everything that, that we read in the vision that uh, Zechariah received. Okay, so the whole world's in a, or the local world there in Zechariah's time is in a gigantic mess. I mean, it's an absolute total mess. Constant war, 
uh, leaders are corrupt. There's confusion among the crowds. There's famine. There's uh, suffocating poverty. There's moral decay. And, and uh, religion is empty and spiritual dehydration. And God had told, he assigned his people a task to rebuild the temple. And so they were trying to do that. But the environment was so bad around them, they got discouraged, they got frustrated, they got overwhelmed, they were ready to throw the towel in and quit. They said, look, you gave us this task to do, it's impossible in the middle of all this mess for us to do it. So from their view, they thought God had abandoned them. Now, who in the room other than me has ever had those feelings? All four of you. Who in the room other than me has ever had those feelings? When you get discouraged, it starts to feel like God abandoned you. Like, like where is God? Like, what, does he even know what I'm going through? I'm suffering here. Can he see what's happening? In the middle of this pitiful sight, God gives Zechariah a vision of a golden lampstand connected to two olive trees. I want to show you the picture here. Uh, we don't know this is what it looked like. This is just a, an artist's rendering. So you have this uh, golden lampstand, right? This lamp with little flames in it. And you got these little golden arms that are connected to these two olive trees. Now, the picture, uh, uh, if you read Zechariah 4, there's an angel who's talking to Zechariah. And he's saying, they're kind of talking back and forth. Zechariah sees this vision. Uh, and this picture, the angel says to Zechariah, this picture is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Now, Zerubbabel, other than having a really weird name and getting picked on at school, Zerubbabel was the governor at the time, and his job was to oversee the construction of the temple. So he's the guy that felt the most discouragement. He's the guy who felt the most responsibility. So, uh, so Zechariah says, uh, or the angel says, Hey, Zechariah, I'm going to show you this picture. And this picture is God's word to Zerubbabel, the guy supposed to build the temple. This picture is God's word to him. Now watch this. The picture says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now my question is, where does it say that? Like I didn't get that from that, did you? This looks like a, a, an old rusty artifact that you get on American Pickers stuck between two trees in a redneck's backyard. Like I didn't get not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. That's not what that picture says to me, and I'm curious where that picture says that. So I'll tell you where it says it. It says it in the oil. Now watch. Without oil, you have two dead, dried up, worthless trees. Without oil, you have a lamp that won't burn. Because there's no oil inside it. Without, with oil, you have two strong, flourishing trees. With oil, you have a lamp that will light the nations. So the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, is like oil. How's the Holy Spirit like oil? Let me give you two ways if you're taking notes this morning. The Holy Spirit is like oil in that the Holy Spirit is the fuel for our spiritual life. When you got oil, you didn't have fire. Without oil, you got no fire. 
Because there is fuel for the fire. The Holy Spirit is the inner resource of our spiritual life. Just like the oil made the olive trees alive, and just like the oil made the lamp have fire, the Holy Spirit is the fuel of our spiritual life. You can't have a alive spiritual life without the Holy Spirit. So Zechariah 4 verse 11, let's jump there, and and we're going to jump kind of right in the middle of the conversation between Zechariah and the angel. This is Zechariah. Then I asked the angel, well, well, what are those two olive trees up there? What what are those about? Because he'd explain what the lamp was. Again, I asked him, what are those two olive branches beside the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? He replied, do you not know what these are? And he's like, no, I just said that. That's what I'm trying to ask you. I don't. So he said, these are the two who are anointed To serve the Lord throughout the earth. These two olive trees are the two that are anointed to serve the Lord throughout the earth. So first, the Holy Spirit's like oil in that He is the fuel for our life. Second, the Holy Spirit is like oil because He anoints us for spiritual work. The Holy Spirit is like oil because He is the internal resource of a spiritual life and He is the external anointing for effectiveness on the task God gave us. Inside and out. Throughout the Old Testament, we continually read where kings and priests and prophets and sick people and even doorposts were anointed with oil. To anoint meant to set something apart for God. So in other words, I'm going to anoint this table. This table's not mine anymore. This table belongs to God. and It's only going to be used for God things because it's now anointed. It's anointed for that task. So the oil symbolizes God's continual presence. Why? Why didn't we just use water? Because water evaporates. Oil absorbs. When somebody puts oil on your skin, it absorbs in your skin and becomes part of you. When God anoints you for a task, you absorb that into your soul and that anointing becomes part of who you are. That's why it's oil. So in this passage, we read that Zechariah asked the angel a question. Who are the two olive trees? Who are these two trees that have the oil? The angel's answer is amazing. He said, these are the two who are anointed. If you have something you want to underline that with, anointed to serve the Lord throughout all the earth. Now, the Hebrew word anointed here is very unique. Most of the time when you read the word anointed in the Bible or anointing, you're not going to be reading the word that's here. This is a unique word, and here's what it means. It literally means sons of fresh oil. Who are the two olive trees, angel? They are the sons of fresh oil. So Zechariah's basically heard two things. God has a plan that cannot be accomplished by our effort or our planning. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by His Spirit. That's what Scripture tells us. The second thing is God has a plan and His people are included in that plan. You and I are part of that plan. So Who were God's people? They were sons and daughters of fresh oil. Those who would follow the direction and the plan of the Holy Spirit. Those who would depend on the Holy Spirit for an internal fuel, an internal resource, were the sons and daughters of fresh oil. So how does this anointing thing work? Here's how it works. 
God takes your experiences, your talent, your spiritual gifts, your personality. He takes your pains. He takes your victories. He takes your joys. He takes the things you wonder about. He takes all of those together and he anoints them with oil. He anoints them with the power of the Holy Spirit and he brings them to life and he moves you out into an effective involvement for him in the earth. That's how it works. That's how the anointing thing works. Look, you and I can use our strengths, we can use our gifts, we can use our mind, we can use our talent, we can use our personality for our own purposes. And we can affect some things. We can build our own kingdom. We can build our own agenda. We can do our own thing, but we'll not be anointed for that. His anointing will never rest on that. But he has anointed you for certain tasks on the earth and it involves calling forth your strength and your passion and your experience and your pain and engaging it in the purposes of God on earth. You're an anointed son, anointed daughter of God. So how does that look? If you're a parent... God has anointed you to be a dad, anointed you to be a mom. It's the best picture of spiritual leadership I know in the entire Bible. He's anointed you to be a mom or dad so that you might have an internal energy resource, an internal fuel that refreshes you and keeps you spiritually alive. And you might be anointed like those olive trees to feed that oil, to feed that fuel into your children's life. If you're a children's, a kid's church worker, if you're a kid's teacher, if you're a, you work in a youth small group, if you lead one of our life groups, if you're a ministry team leader, God has anointed you for that task and His will is that you might stay refreshed on the inside, resourced on the inside by the oil, by the Holy Spirit and anointed on the outside for great impact. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit. That you would make a difference in your children, in your home, in your marriage, in your city, in your job. In the ministry God's given you. You are a a son and a daughter of fresh oil. That's how it works. Resource on the inside and resource on the outside. By the way, whole churches have anointings. Whole churches have been set aside by God for certain tasks. We believe that God set us aside to support 100 missionaries. We believe that God has set us aside. When we look at our passion, when we look at our strengths, when we look at our history, when we look at who God made us to be almost 90 years ago, then we say God has anointed us for an external task. And I want to just share the story of what that task is so you'll know why we think we've been anointed for that task. Watch this video. So this is the partnership that we feel is our anointing. We have committed, uh, we've done a year's worth of work in Honduras. We've committed three more years of work in Honduras and, and to have a growing relationship with the leadership there, the leadership of the church. Uh, Bill Strickland has been in Honduras 42 years, and he said most of those years he had not seen a move of God. But, re- but recently, in the last couple of decades, there's become a f- fabulous and incredible 
move of God in that country. They started a church 18 years ago, and that church now has about 12,000 people in it. And when I was going to go preach one of the services on Sunday morning, uh, missionary Bill Strickland said to me, he said, in, in these services, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Saturday night, all the services they have, he said, this weekend we're going to have about 150 to 200 people accept Christ. And at the end of the day, when we were done with the final service on Sunday, somewhere between 150 and 200 people accepted Christ. And that's nearly every week at their church. They're seeing a harvest come in that, that is unbelievable. And the campground is a, is a strategic tool, about 120 acres, the Men's Teen Challenge Center, the orphanage there. Uh, it's a strategic uh, campus because... Uh, they take 48 to 50 weeks a year. They do retreats at the, at the campground from their church. Uh, let me just explain that for a minute. When you think retreat, don't think Hawaii. <laughs> think get out of the brokenness that I live in. And when they take them there, many people go to the retreat and accept Christ there. Many people go to the retreat and, and receive inner healing and physical healing and uh, release from bondages and release from... Uh, deliverance and and uh, 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 filled with the Holy Spirit. It is a powerful, powerful, powerful weekend where people go away and they come back changed. And that's part of the cycle of the church. And so the critical piece that they need now is a dining hall. I've been there. I've preached at their church. I, I did construction work for a week on the property. We helped with several projects. And I'm, I can't explain to you how they triple and quadruple use everything. And if we can just get a dining hall on that property, it will relieve the bottleneck in almost everything else they do. Because they, they use everything so many different ways and so many different times. That's, that's what we feel that our anointing is to help with that dining hall. So uh, we're going to receive an offering this morning. And I'm going to ask our ushers to come. If you need an offering envelope, I just want you to simply wave at our ushers as they pass you. Now, now let, let me explain a couple things. $20,000 puts the dining hall there. In November, this November, we are going to Honduras and we're going to build the dining hall. We have the team. We have another church that's committed to go with us and provide part of the team. We have the plan and the strategy. We have the workforce on the ground there waiting for our arrival. We have the tools. What we don't have is the material. That's the only thing we don't have. The block, the cement, the things that we need to raise that building is the only thing we don't have. And so uh, $20,000 will make that happen. I've just been asking God, can you help us raise that today? We, we, we've got to move on with that project. If we can secure that soon, that will bring great life and, and ability. We can call Bill and say, we're ready. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm just going to ask you to give your best gift. Because we're going to give it all away. We're not going to keep any of it. None of it goes to our building or, or any of our ministries here. It goes to Honduras. 100% of it will go to Honduras to the dining hall project. And so, obviously, uh, some of you are going to have, to have to give a little bit more. Not everybody in the room can give a lot. Uh, but a few of you can give a lot. And so, a few big gifts would, would accelerate us. Uh, everybody can't give a big gift, but everybody can give something. And so if you would just give what you can give, 
If you would do what you can do, if you'd bring your best gift, if you didn't come prepared to give today, in the foyer is our giving kiosk. You can give by credit card or debit card. If you're a guest today, I want to I say this to you because I, 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 don't, I want you to know this isn't the way we normally do Sunday. You're not going to have me come back to you anytime soon and say, hey, can you give to this? This is what we're going all in on as Honduras. And so uh, we won't make another appeal to you like this uh, for months and months and months. So I want you to know if you're a guest, I don't, I'm going to invite you not to give. We don't even want you to give. We don't want your money. What we want is for you to have a life-changing relationship with Jesus. That's what we want you to have. And so if you are, if this is your home, then I want you to say, as part of Kingwood, this is my anointing too. God anointed me for this task as much as he anointed our church for this task. And we're going to take three trips over the next three years. We're going to raise that dining hall, and we're going to expand that campus. And I hope you get the opportunity, I hope you get the privilege to go on one of the teams. You will see with your own eyes thousands and probably tens of thousands of people will be affected for the kingdom because of the work that we're able to do in simple buildings. We're just giving that ministry the tools that they can't supply for themselves. Now, here's one other part that I want you to know before you give today. Uh, we started a few years ago adopting pastors. What I mean by that is we'll take a pastor and we'll sponsor a pastor to go on a trip with us. And the reason we do that is because not every church is like Kingwood. Not every church is involved in missions. Not every church is involved in the Great Commission. Not every church is involved in spreading the love of God all around the world. And so we try to pick a church or a pastor who we think hasn't done very much, uh, and they don't have very much history, maybe they've never done a trip. Uh, we ask you to give, we take your giving, and we pay that pastor's way on a trip. We've done, by the way, nine of them. We've already done nine. I wish I could, I can't tell you all their stories this morning, we don't have time. Uh, but when you get a pastor on the ground, and you get a pastor looking eye to eye, that person's life is affected in a deep way. And it moves them and it moves the whole church to get involved in a better way. And so uh, when you give this morning, the $20,000 will build the dining hall and we'll send one pastor with us to Honduras in November. And we will take a pastor to Honduras with us every trip for the next three years. So uh, I want to share one of those pastor story with you this morning. Watch this. When you affect a leader, you affect the whole church. When you affect the whole church, you affect a city. When you affect a city, you start to see change for the kingdom happen. Sean's not exaggerating. He cried every day. Every day. Those of you who are on a trip, you know. It, 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 just, it just literally, to have that kind of encounter with the love of God for broken people literally rocked him and he's taking 20 people with us to Honduras in November to build the dining hall and most of them have never been on a mission trip in their life so when you give today it's only going to two things a dining hall and a pastor who we can take with us and put them on the ground and watch the impact then, not add, but multiply.
I'm going to ask our ushers to come. And I'm just asking you today to give your very best gift. Lord, I thank you this morning for the love of God that has reached our hearts. I thank you that you sent missionaries to us. Those missionaries may have been our parents. They may have been friends. They may have been youth pastors or coaches or teachers or they may have been peers. But Lord, you sent missionaries to our heart. And I thank you that you did because they shared your love with us and our lives have been changed. Our prayer this morning is now send us and use us to send others. In Jesus' name. God bless you as you give this morning.